Hello, and welcome to Small Business Happy Hour, a podcast where we interview a different entrepreneur or small business owner every week to hear their story. We chat about their business, passions, struggles, and all things small business. Oh, and we drink with our guests during the interview, hence the happy hour. I'm your host, Derek, founder of Yoga for All Humans, a fully online yoga studio. And I'm your host, Holly, creator of the blog, The Bitter Lemon, and author of many books. We are so happy you're here. Hi, Holly. Hi. How goes it? What up? I really hate that because of where we live, we've become people that like talk about weather. Like I really freaking <laughs> I hate when people talk about the weather. Like I just I've I've hated it all my life. Like my dad used to always watch the weather channel and I just I feel like it's something that's so out of our control. Like, yes, if you're gonna be outside you need to prepare for it. But generally speaking, like I pretty much do not leave my house. So the weather like it, it doesn't affect me so much, but I know it's been a super hot summer. Yeah. I know for me, like, I just want to stop paying $150 for my air conditioning every month. Yeah. Yeah. Add 100 so, that for me. Yeah. Yeah. So today, I literally did not turn on my air conditioner until before we started recording. Like, I had my windows and door. I have a fan on my patio that, like, I can point inside. So it was kind of pulling in the cool air. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, my bill is probably not going to be $150 this month. Heck yes. I know. I can't wait because, like, during the winter, we don't really do the heater. Like, we're not big heater people because it drives us out and stuff. Yeah, I never turn like, on the heat. Even when we had the big freeze, I now that I've gone this long without turning it on, I'm scared to turn it on. Yeah. So I just have a space heater, which no one come at me. I use it safely. Um, <laughs> and an electric blanket. And like, that's it. Our electricity bills during the winter are like 60 bucks. It's yeah. crazy <laughs> for like this whole house. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's still not like quote unquote fall weather, but it's gonna be I 75 hope. degrees on Saturday. Yeah, it's gonna be so nice. Wait. I can't wait. So oh, so what have you been up to? So I finished writing my Hallmark script. Uh I challenged myself to spend the month of September writing a whole script. And I'm gonna be honest, I wrote it in a little less than two weeks. It was nine yeah. acts. I wrote most of the acts just in a single sitting because it's kind of like once you start, you might as well just finish it. It's, of course, like it's a first draft. So uh, there's a lot that needs to be fixed. But like the weight, I feel like because I had such a mental block, like this was an idea I had. Like I was submitting little things for it for my writing group, like um, the treatment, like you're basically like the character list of characters and a few ideas for the acts and an outline. But when it came time to actually sitting down and writing the whole thing, I was like, I just cannot do it. So just to have it like out of my brain and on the paper, like I'm submitting it for feedback um, for my two writing groups in the middle of October. But and at first I felt so nervous about that, but now I'm just like, I don't even care. <laughs> like I wrote this, I wrote it. It's my second time ever trying. So I'm just like, I don't even care. I did it. I mean, shit, I'm proud of you for 
going through with it and just ironing it out. I mean, even if it's not perfect, this is your first full script, right? I wrote one. Yeah, but it's like that one was basically just a shot in the dark. I did it just by watching Hallmark movies. I knew nothing about screenwriting or really like I didn't have like the pacing down. Like it wasn't even the length, like the right length. Like a a typical length was about 95 pages and it it was like 40 pages. (laughs) Like it was too short. So this is like my second attempt, but really like, I feel like it's so much better than the first try. And I'm like, it's only my second try and it's just for practice. So I'm like on to the next, I'll get feedback. I'll put the feedback away and then maybe next year I'll pick it up or maybe I won't. It doesn't matter. Like, Yeah, you can always fine tune it later to add to your collection or use it as a learning lesson and move on, you know? Yeah. 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 I'm, That's trying awesome. to, uh, I'm trying to build up that reservoir. I feel like all the successful screenwriters, like they have things in their drawer. So it's like on a rainy day, pull something out. Or if they do get an agent that's like, you know, what kind of stuff do you have? Then you can just be like, oh, I've got this, this, you know, so... I'm going to participate in National Novel Writing Month, which I'm doing a little non-traditional thing this year. In years past, I've always, you know, attempted to write a novel. But this year, I'm going to attempt to do two more Hallmark scripts. That shakes out to be about 40,000 words, which is still short of what the goal is for the month. But I feel like if I do that, I'll end this year having written three scripts. And that's insane. I'm raising the roof for the people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to like totally just like take a writing break for October and then. That's good. Yeah. Go at it for November. Yeah. I'm like powering through October because November I'll be traveling for the most part of November. Yeah. Because I have like a work conference in Vegas the 6th through the 10th and then I'll be in Portland for like a week and a half after that. And then it'll be Thanksgiving and then I have a family wedding the weekend of Thanksgiving. So like before I know it, it's going to be December and then, you know, yeah. So I'm like trying to get as much done during the month of October as I can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, how was that experience donating blood? Funny you ask, Holly, because in our last intro, I was very excited because the first time ever I was going to be able to donate blood as a gay man, went in there that morning, just like fucking smiling and be like, I'm checking in to donate blood. You you walked in and it was like, I'm walking on set. Yeah, no, I really was like, I was just like, it was a good morning because I was just so excited. And then so like. You go in, you just like sign in your name and they go sit down and then they call you up to like do the formal check-in, which previously that wasn't how it was for me. I didn't even like, I just had to tell them I was here for a therapeutic blood draw and then someone would call me to the back. You know, that was like, I had to go like in the back door and couldn't make the appointment online. I had to call in and make it and all that good stuff. Damn. So I was feeling like a normal person and they call me up. And they're going to check me in, ask me all these questions I'd never heard before. Like if I wanted to donate my blood to like an organization or like, you know, put an organization down as on who I was donating on behalf of and all this cool stuff. And so I was just like, you know, enjoying the vibes. And then like 
I could tell like something went wrong on the screen and he like had to call he seemed new so he had to call some someone over like a big rainbow was flashing on the screen right. <laughs> <laughs> they had to call someone over that was more experienced to be like what does this mean and so like it, it it probably like two or three minutes go by and there ended up being like four or five people behind the desk looking at this computer trying to figure you were out standing there while I was standing there trying to figure out why I couldn't donate blood or why the system was being weird. Yeah. It was, it was just a really terrible experience. And I won't say where I was donating because I think it was just lack of education on their part. It wasn't like the organization at fault necessarily Mm -hmm. good stuff, but it was like, some people would walk up and be like, well, is he even eligible to donate? And I would be like, yes, I am. Like they weren't even talking to me directly. It was very inhumane. And there was a couple times where they said, like, oh, it looks like he shouldn't have even been able to make an appointment like this, like a donation appointment rather than a therapeutic appointment mm-hmm. and all this stuff. It was just like a lot of little, un- like, unintentional jabs, you know? And then finally, the woman who has met with me several times, clearly she did not remember me, which is fine. I'm sure she sees, like, 100 people a day. I don't even know. But mm-hmm. it's a woman that has taken like my vitals and stuff in the back room to make sure like I'm healthy enough to donate blood. And she comes up and is like, oh yeah, no, he's banned in the system or something like that. And, you know, I'll go in a minute. And they're like, okay, go sit down. And I was like, the fuck? Okay. And so I go sit down and then she calls me to the back room pretty quickly after that. And it's pretty much just like, yeah, so you're banned in the system because you've been marked as gay essentially um i don't know if she said it anything better than that but basically i'd been marked in the system as not eligible to donate because i was gay right now i am eligible to donate because i'm monogamous and not on prep and i was like okay well i don't like i don't understand why i can't just donate because i am eligible it's just Mm -hmm. your system not being updated she was like, yeah, we have to do a lot of paperwork. She was just like making me feel like I was the biggest inconvenience in the world that I had like booked the wrong appointment and I wasn't eligible to donate in their system, even though I am eligible to donate. And it was just like the yeah. most degrading thing. And I was like so shut down through the whole thing. I felt really bad for like the phlebotomist or whatever they call them that is actually taking the blood because she was like, the sweetest thing had no idea what was going on and i was yeah. just, just fucking like shut down like if i was i'm I'm not a crier like i the last time i cried was probably like uh like four years ago whenever our dog died that was probably the last time i cried every now and then i'll tear up thinking about her but that's it and yeah i would have cried i would have just like probably would have just broken down crying and had to leave had i been a crier that's how bad it made me feel so yeah yeah, uh, the good news is there's a solution. You will be able to donate. I think, you know, obviously I can't relate on that level, but any anything that is like out of your hands like that, and I feel like when you have to go to a medical office, a doctor's office, a dental office, and then it comes down to your insurance or finances or paperwork of some kind, like... Mm-hmm. It's like you're already vulnerable going there and then you're in the waiting room 
other people are there, whatever. It's just like, it really is like the worst. Like I have had multiple issues where I have had to be turned away or something wasn't right. And it's like, I was mm, embarrassed and just frustrated because it's like the the last time I was turned away for like, um, just an annual appointment and I was already so behind on the annual appointment and I get right. so such anxiety about my health and I couldn't, I could, they wouldn't let me, um, because there was like a mistake with my Cobra and I went into my car and cried and I called my mom and I was like, I just want a checkup. Like, mm-hmm. I just want a checkup. And it's like, it took me, I was not able to get my checkup until like six months after that, which was I was over a year and a half late, like for my for a checkup. Right. And I just remember the front desk girls being like, "Okay, bye." You know, and it's like I I wasn't their fault, but I also was just like, "How embarrassing!" Like, yeah, yeah. No, it is really embarrassing, and there's a lack of empathy, you know, in those situations. And I I learned after the fact that there was like some form that I was supposed supposed to submit online to like start the process of getting approved. Okay. It's like Wesley, who's never been there before, didn't have to go through that process. He can make an appointment to donate today and could go straight in. But since I was already in the system, I couldn't. Right. So I submitted the form that I was supposed to submit and got a response very quickly saying, Thank you for submitting this. You know, we'll get a process. It'll take six to eight weeks. Okay. So, I, I, thankfully, I was able to do my therapeutic blood draw that day whenever I went in there because I yeah. did for health reasons. Right. And so I emailed that person back and said, I appreciate that. Just let you know I had a really bad experience. Your staff could use some empathy and awareness training around this topic because I know I'm not going to be the first person that'll come in and I don't want anyone else to feel like I felt today. Yeah. He responded back and said, thank you for letting us know. Sorry you had that experience. What location was this? And so I let her know and hopefully they did something about it. I mean, that's really important. I mean, you never know where people are at and on either side of the situation, but I mean, that's, that's really sensitive. And that makes me sad for all of the, um, you know, I mean, I know it's a topic for another day, but just all of the trans stuff that is happening in Texas over these past couple years, like turning away, turning away people for healthcare is just not right. No, no, it's really not. So here for improvements. I know, but you know, by the time we have season three come out, you will be able to donate. I'm having faith. <laughs> so I'll have a, a positive update for season three. Yes. <laughs> the, last, the last episode of season two, which is yeah. very exciting. Yeah. I'm going to open my can of non-alcoholic beer on that note. <laughs> uh, I think my non-alcoholic champagne. Yay. This season... We have had some fantastic guests, but man, we had, I'm not going to lie. We had some scheduling woes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was, it was a challenge to get through it, but we made it. We made it. And I mean, I just want to, I was actually thinking about this earlier this week. Like, um, we did not make a big deal about it. Um, maybe when we actually, when this episode comes out, I will, but we didn't really make a big deal when we hit 25 episodes or like when we hit. I mean, this will be our 30th episode. I guess we didn't. 
That is huge. Um, yeah. What is the statistic? Like most new podcasts don't record more than three episodes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 30 episodes. That's yeah. nuts. That is nuts. So pat on the back. Pat on the back. <laughs> I mean, we've talked to over 20 different guests. I feel like we've learned so much about small business, um, entrepreneurship, like we've met so many different kinds of people and there's so many more people for us to meet, but I feel like it's just so fun. Like I I'm trying to do a better job on our Instagram to post other small businesses that we like and, you know, places I've seen, but haven't shopped yet. And I did post, uh, about this, I gosh, I forget what exact city it's, it's in like the new England area, but the business is called lunch city and it's a, a female artist. And she, I saw her post cause someone else I follow posted it. And she posted this really emotional thing, uh, post on Instagram, just saying, you know, we're not going to make it. And she wrote all about how she opened her business like during COVID or right after COVID. And every time the holidays come around, she thinks there's going to be a surge in sales and there's not. Every time rent is due, she is struggling to pay it. And she was just like, I see these small businesses closing and people walk by and say, I wish I would have known because I would have supported them more. And she's like, this is me telling you that if I don't get the support, I'm closing my doors. And that was the first time I've ever heard of her business. I got on at 6am and bought a few things from her shop. She's an artist. So she has like, I bought a couple cards and then uh, like a hanging piece for my apartment. And then she posted another post a few days later saying that she got like 100, 150 orders, something like that. And she said she just cried with relief because she was able to pay her rent. But she was like, you have to keep coming. Like I need right. support through the holidays. And I'm really it's kind of like what we what we talked about um, with Aaron was that you know, this woman was vulnerable. She said she was so nervous to make that post, but it resulted in something good for her. Um, it saved her shop for now. Um, but I just feel like, wow, like you see those memes about like when you shop at an Etsy shop or when you shop at a small business, a per- someone does a dance. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you really do change someone's life with one sale and yeah. I mean, you're changing a community. Like small business is if we did not have small businesses, like every city would be the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every city would be like Applebee's and Target. <laughs> like right. who's that? Yeah, no shit. That was what I loved so much about living in Iowa City whenever we lived there. Like the state or the city legislature or whatever was very strict with businesses they let in. So it was 95% small business in, oh, wow. in the city limits. It was amazing. It was so cool because we would we would do like all of our holiday shopping and like every time we went out to eat, it was like, you know, supporting small business. So it was like just it was so cool. You know, everything was so local. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So um this is our last episode of season two, but um we are coming back. We we're not planning on having episodes during the holidays, but we are planning a few little thingies, other thingies for holiday um, that we'll post on Instagram. Um, so yeah, definitely just a, a final like audio cry here to to consider. I mean, now's the time to start buying holiday stuff. So definitely just put your dollars where your mind is at, where your heart is at, because I mean, it ain't with Amazon. 
That's right. Yeah, no shit. We have so, many, <laughs> so many of our guests, like I'm I'm pretty sure like I'm gonna knock out my entire holiday shopping with all of our guests. Like that that's my goal is to like literally do my entire shopping with people that we've interviewed. Yeah. And it makes it yeah. so much more fun. Like even if you even if that means you can you have to buy a smaller gift or less of less of a gift. Right. You, you have a story. You can tell them about the business, about why you support it or why that item was so special. The One of the cards that I got from Lunch City, I got two. I'm going to mail one to my friend Gina. It's a Halloween card. And it's these two female ghosts like sitting on a couch and they have face masks, like clay masks on and they're each holding a glass <laughs> of wine. And it says ghouls night in. Stop laughing. When I saw it and I'm, I'm 99% sure I'm going to frame it and just put it in my apartment all the time because I think it's so funny. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. It's like, it's a, it was a $5 card, but like, I know my friend is going to love it and like, I'm yeah. going to love it. So, yeah. so yeah, we have one more guest uh, for this season and I feel like it's such a good one to end, end it, end it out on. Yeah, it was such a special episode. Um, West Dills with the Bearded Baking Company. Uh, it was another LGBT plus, so a gay, um, a gay-owned um, bakery in Bastrop, which is near Austin. So it's like the greater Austin area. And I heard about it through a friend, you know, and and that's how we connected. And Wes was such a delight and such a gracious guest, like. It was nice to talk to another Southern gay guy. It's I think mm-hmm. it's been a while since I've had like, you know, a conversation with another Southern gay guy now that I'm outside of Louisiana because Texas is not the South. We talked about that in the in the episode. Texas is not Come at us. Texas is not the South. We're saying <laughs> yeah. we can take the heat. Um I yeah. will still I'll stand by it's Pecan, not pecan, but not pecan. Yeah, we can have that. We can have those differences. It's fine. Um, I'll post a poll. I'll post a poll. Is it? Pecan? Yes, that would be so good. Post or a pecan. poll. Yeah, <laughs> please do. That's a good idea. Um, and we can see see who wins. But yeah, Wes was such a great guest. It was so amazing hearing his story. You know, going from the Carolinas to to Texas and opening up the bakery and we our mouths are watering just thinking about yes do not proceed if you are hungry because (laughs) it sounds so good oh my goodness it really does and the atmosphere sounds so great and welcoming too and they do ship nationwide so if you're needing some christmas cookies needing some thanksgiving goodies any time of the year yeah yeah definitely yeah they do a lot of seasonal stuff so yes, loosen your waistbands and <laughs> enjoy the episode. It's a good one. Y'all enjoy. Hello, hello. Hey, Bubba, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Let me try to get this thing. There we go. We see you. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, it looks like your your camera was doing like a little bit of a zoom in on your zoom, first yeah. Fancy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'll adjust to where you are, like zoom in and zoom out. Who knows? Cool. Well, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing all right. How about y'all? Good. Good. I'm off car for my day job. So it's a good weekend for me. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know what a weekend is anymore. So well, that's the thing is I'm off from my day job, but oh, gotcha. Continues, yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, I don't really have a weekend either. But it's always nice whenever I have an extra day off of my my full time job because I have you know two other jobs outside of that. So okay, well, if you could try a little bit harder to keep busy, that would be. I think that would be uh, beneficial. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you oh. can more to have a weekend. Nice. <laughs> I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Cool. Well, thanks for helping. You go by West, right? Not West. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's just fine. Cool. That works for me because my husband is Wesley. So then that would just get confusing. So, <laughs> and this is Holly. We, we, I guess we, this is the first time we've actually talked and, and met officially, but we, I feel like we're already friends through Instagram because that's the the way it goes these days. But Holly and I have been friends for years and we do the podcast together. So it's nice to bring everyone together. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you, Holly. Thank you for uh, spending some time with me. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, we are excited. So I guess... Out the bat, the most important question is, Wes, what are you drinking? If you're if you're drinking something, it's okay if you're not. Um, I am drinking uh, a pint of a uh, red blend. Ooh, red blend and a pint. Yes. <laughs> you're like the first guest that is topping Derek's amount. I feel like you're you probably have more in your glass than Derek has. <laughs> Well, we don't we don't have a uh, we don't have a home office, and my husband is still working. So I figured I needed to camp out on the couch, and as a good Eagle Scout, I came prepared. So, <laughs> I mean, I do I do this anyway, but you know, it looks like a Guinness. Like I thought you were just going to be like, oh yeah, I have a pint of a chocolate stout. <laughs> yeah. Um, that that's good. You know, it's under it's under 142 degrees now, so stouts <laughs> and porters are about to make their debut. So. There you go. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to this weekend. Like, if that high of 75 actually happens, um, yeah, I told. Uh, one of my good friends, I was like, I'm just going to go streaking because I'm just going to be so excited. <laughs> just let it all out. Let yeah. It out. Yeah. Seriously. Oh, well, that's you- awesome. I love the um, the pint of wine. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. What do you have, Derek? You know me. I got my red. Oh, uh, that's cute. Yeah. Red. <laughs> it actually doesn't look, uh, you, mu- you must have drank some already because have, it doesn't yeah. look as full. Okay. <laughs> It usually is pretty full. That's that's the joke. And I always drink red wine. This is a a Coppola. Um, oh, nice. I don't think this is from the gas station. A lot of times my wine ends up being from the gas station. I think this is actually from a store. But um, I mean, look, it's it's the gas station wine thing is it's like getting wine from Walgreens. I don't I don't hate on it. It's all the same at the end of the day. So yeah, no, it's convenient. It is. Yeah. Holly, how about you? Uh, well, since I'm, you know, currently sober Sunday through Thursday, I am drinking the Shirley Red mm. Bubbly. So no alcohol, but uh, it does this. I love this. Is um, it good? Yeah, I got a four pack from Deirdre and I had my first can when I watched The Bachelor last week because I feel like you have to have wine when you watch mm-hmm. The Bachelor. And I was so shocked um, when we had 
Ian on from all the bitter. He said, if you're going non-alcoholic red wine, bubbly, like effervescent helps. So this does have a little bit of that. Like you can see it's like at the top of my glass, like a little. Oh, look at that. Okay. Um, Slightly chill. So I just put it in the fridge for like an hour and then pour it. And then I put, it's on the counter, but the aromatic, um, bitters from all the bitter like i tried it without it and then added those and it just adds that extra like dryness to it yeah. it's so good i'll definitely be getting more did you get it at their store or did you order it online the cans yeah i got it at deirdre okay okay yeah. so deirdre west is a new store that we went to a couple weekends ago we'll probably have them on the podcast next season um it's like a non-alcoholic store and it was so cool because they had like it's like real wine but they just like process the alcohol out of it you know right Uh, yeah and i've been trying to drink less during the week and i had like some um champagne that i got from there which was the same brand as that which is really good and like a sparkling rosé and stuff so it's like you kind of like trick yourself into thinking that you're drinking you know (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, the the whole uh, dry bars and mm. um, people, you know, taking sobriety and, you know, things like that more seriously these days, the effort that goes into the non-alcoholic beverage scene and the mocktails. Yeah. I mean, it's almost more intricate than it is just... It is. Tra- because you have to try harder to, to sure. satisfy people. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what we're learning is like um, everything I try, I'm like, wow, this is so good. And they definitely have to substitute, you know, what the alcohol brings. They have to make it up um, in flavor. So it's been an interesting journey, but um, yeah, yeah. that's good. I'm glad. On the pod, we had had, uh, a company called All the Bitters or All the Bitter on the pod a few episodes ago, and he makes non-alcoholic bitters with his wife. And that's kind of where we started learning a little bit more about it and then found that local store because they were selling that product, and then here we are. Yeah. 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 I wish that, um, you know, I'm a conventional baker, and people ask me all the time, you know, do you have gluten-free, do you have vegan options, things like that, or non-dairy or things without eggs. And... You know, I have a few tricks up my sleeve, but I wouldn't, you know, I leave that to professionals. So I'm glad that people have the ingenuity to to offer quality and tasty things, you know, for people that don't want to consume or choose not to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually going to be some of our questions for you. So (laughs) buckle in. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we can just hop into it. I would just love to hear. It sounds like you have a really cool backstory with baking. So I would love to hear, you know, your backstory, how you got into being a professional chef, how long you've been a chef, how'd you end up in Texas, all that fun stuff. Oh, fantastic. Um, well, I'll, I'll try not to ramble. <laughs> Go um, for it. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, food has always been a huge part of my life and, and culture. I grew up in eastern North Carolina. Um, my mom grew up on a hog farm. And my dad basically grew up on a dairy farm, uh, but on opposite ends of the state. Uh, my mom's oh, okay. from a uh, coastal area, and my dad is primarily from the mountains of North Carolina. So not only do you have, you know, the cultural aspects of mountain folk versus flatlanders, but you also have <laughs> uh, the 
you know, the culture of food is much different as well. Um, you know, they, they both grew up uh, at or below the poverty line. And so they had to really work hard for what they had. And then whenever they had children, you know, they kind of instilled in us the same way. You don't waste, you, you eat, but you share what you have at the same time. And through uh, community activities, whether it be scouts or church or whatever, you know, food was always the central point, you know, of it. As I got older, my my grandma is a big influence on my mom's side. Um, she would keep me uh, while my brother and sister were in school. And then while I was, you know, uh, whenever I got school age, she would uh, keep me until mom and dad got home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the part of the keep me out of trouble or keep me occupied is she would put me in the kitchen with her so she could keep an eye on me. And then she'd put me to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause if I was off and quiet, <laughs> there's no telling what was going on. Um, and so, you know, she, she was one of those cooks that had the, this recipe works if you have the green cup that she measured with and used to write the recipe with, or, you know, she would have a tablespoon, but it's her tablespoon, not yeah. the actual measured, you know, and I have a lot of her recipes, like that so i get to still connect to her that way that's cool Um, yeah and i started to bake and i did love to bake while i was uh in middle school and high school and uh i always entered into the fair uh competitions and then eventually the pie baking competition and a lot of times i was the only uh guy Mm -hmm. in those competitions whether it was the junior or the adult and eventually, you know, I started winning ribbons and a lot of times I would be right up there with veterans of the pie baking competitions that have been going for 20 years. Um, and that is such a funny image. <laughs> I tell you, you know, my mom, my mom just helped with the pie baking competition on Tuesday and I hate that I can't be a part of it anymore. But she said, you know, there were over 60 pies entered in just the adult, you know, category and the different or uh, in the adult contest. But there's five or six different categories now. And she was describing it and talking about it. And like I could feel the uh, competitive nature in me, like rumbling (laughs) (laughs) under the surface, (laughs) you know, um, but it, it taught me a lot about, you know, being humble and striving to be better than I am, you know, um, and I kind of take what I learned from that actual competition. Whenever I bake today, I never want my cake or my pie or my cookie to be better than your grandma's was or your mama's or your uncle Richard's. What I wanted to do is remind you of those people and hopefully it will be a fond memory and you can connect with them again. Mm. Um, But yeah, so I loved baking and I started out in music education uh, in college. And uh, after two years of piano lessons in music ed, because I was a vocal major, I wanted to teach people how to sing, um, but never played an instrument in my life. You know, nobody said, oh, 
might be a good idea if you knew how to play an instrument. You know, <laughs> so after two years of piano lessons, I could I could play these parts and I could play these parts, but I couldn't create a full chord to save my life. So uh, eventually I gave up that ghost and turned to culinary school. And uh, I went to Johnston & Wells University in Charlotte and I entered in 2004, which was the first class to attend that campus. Uh, it was a brand new campus that had opened up and I was really lucky uh, and a little unlucky at the same time to be a part <laughs> of that experience because if it's going to break, it's going to break with us. And yeah. if they've got to work out the kinks and the the curriculums and things, you know, we're kind of the guinea pigs at, uh, at that uh, college. So uh, but it was a great experience. I, I still have lifelong friends from that experience. But I went for culinary arts uh, for savory food because I didn't want baking to be my job because it was my passion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of counterintuitive in the way, but you don't want to mess up what you love, mm-hmm. you know. And I got my uh, externship to be able to graduate. And it was at the Blue uh, Blue Water American Grill. And I don't even know if it's still there at this point, but it's right at the causeway as you cross uh, the bridge from Wilmington onto Wrightsville Beach. And uh, it's part of a yacht club and it's got 700 seats, upstairs, downstairs, Florida rooms, floating docks, verandas. And you don't cook there, you just kind of survive. And... Uh, me and the executive chef at the time were the only two that had any type of formal training, but I was working alongside uh, these college students and these lifetimers that knew how to work at their job. And they would come in uh, under the influence and, you know, they would show up late and they do kind of a crappy job and it just wasn't the lifestyle for me. Mm-hmm. So I actually left food for seven years after that. Oh, wow. um, Yeah, I got a job as a tasting room manager and event coordinator for a winery uh, in eastern North Carolina. And, you you know, I'm sure you're thinking wine in eastern North Carolina. Um, But uh, North Carolina has a huge history in winemaking and wine culture. And because of the different uh, regions of the state, they're growing, you know, vinifera uh, without rootstock on the outer banks and then they're growing alsace and grapes up in the mountains you yeah. know and everything else in between and while i worked for this company i was also doing private chef work on the side because i still enjoyed that uh, but after seven years i still wasn't part of i was not part of the family you know it was a family yeah. business and i wasn't a member of the family so i could only go but so far uh, with them, but I w- did want to get back into food. And uh, a couple of stepping stones later, I became the executive sous chef of catering for East Carolina University, mm. um, which, you know, uh, I went from cooking for 18 people to cooking for thousands of people um, for football games and chancellor events and, and whatnot. And uh, after a couple of successful years of that, I became the executive catering chef for the university. And the client 
uh, which would be uh, the president of housing, wanted to add on a pastry chef. You know, finding a pastry chef in rural eastern North Carolina, it's not, not that easy. Um, <laughs> so I thought, hey, why don't I just apply for it? At this point, I had taken a few baking classes in college, but primarily everything that I did was self-taught family recipes, you know, but I had already been working with the bakery because, you know, they needed the help and I was excited about it. I applied and I got the job and they're like, great. So now you get to provide all of the baked goods for the entire campus, plus catering, plus all of the fine dining experiences for the board of trustees and the chancellor and all of his guests. Oh, and also over at the football stadium, if people are getting married, you get to do their wedding cakes and their desserts and favors. And, you know, I might have cried in the walk-in a little bit. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But uh, luckily, I was able to hire uh, just uh, an amazing staff. You know, there were some existing folks, uh, but I needed some key roles to fill because we really needed to elevate uh, what we were doing out of the, the bakery. We couldn't just rely on box cookie dough anymore. But also, because we have a pastry chef on staff, whether you're experienced or not, Cake Boss was very popular at the time. Sure. Those, yeah. those mega cakes and things. And so the yeah. client would come to us and they're like, oh, hey, we're having this event that's not only open to the university, but uh, also the entire town of Greenville, North Carolina and anybody else that is passing through. So we need you to have a sculpted cake uh, that will feed 5,000 people. Jesus. You know, and it has to transfer on a four by eight wagon down a brick laid hill, <laughs> you know, through double doors out of the kitchen and the dish pit. And, you know, I would, I'd like to consider myself successful with that. You know, we, we made a lot of great and beautiful things and uh, grew reputation for them. Uh, but eventually I met my would be husband online and we were 90 miles apart. He was living up in Raleigh, North Carolina, and mm -hmm. I was down East and we did a long distance relationship for about a year and a half. You know, I really wanted him to be able to move down to Greenville because I love my job so much, but you know, unless you're part of the university or part of the hospital system, there's not a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. And so eventually I took a position as a food service director for a small private college uh, in the Raleigh area. And we moved in together and he proposed and we got married and I got a new job, you know, in short order. And uh, we visited uh, Austin uh, for the first time in 2019. Okay. And, uh, well, excuse me, it was 2018, December of 2018. Uh, one of my dearest friends and her husband, uh, got stationed at, uh, I'm not sure the name of it currently, but it was Fort Hood at the time. <laughs> and, uh, we had no inclination to, uh, to visit except for to see them. 
and she picked us up from the airport in Austin. And we were there a little while. And then we were like, there's nothing special about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, we caught the bug and we were like, hey, we're going to move here. This sounds like a great idea. <laughs> so that was that was December of 2018. And by 2019, we had both quit our jobs and completely moved here, not knowing anybody. Wow. Yeah. Um, but over the last couple of years, we've had a great opportunity uh, to work with some amazing farmers markets. I had a food truck for a year and a half at Still Austin Whiskey Company. Or excuse me, it was there for a year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with that experience, my baking had to take a back seat um, because we were at a distillery and people are drinking. You know, we needed to make sure that they had actual food and substance as well. But about a half a year in, I knew that food truck uh, was not the life for me. Uh, so I started looking for commercial uh, retail space and things like that. And we had a lot of great, uh, great spaces that we wanted. Uh, but because of the, the immaturity of our business and lack of resources in the fact that we're not hedge fund, hedge fund babies and, uh, yeah. <laughs> investment firms and, you know, it was really hard to find proper commercial real estate. Uh, -huh. You know, and because I have to be the baker, I have to be the social media manager, I have to be customer service, you know, I'm constantly trying to be seen, I'm trying to get noticed. And, you know, in Austin, as long as it photographs well, and it looks great in an Instagram reel, it doesn't necessarily have to taste good to be successful. And, you know, I started to get very jaded and I wasn't happy with how things were going, you know, um, because the silliest things were, were getting a lot of attention. I'm like, Hey, I have great stuff too. I'm over yeah. here. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so we looked for about a year and a half. Uh, but in the time, in that time, I started to create really great relationships with the wholesale clients and catering clients. Uh, Cat Metro uh, Transit uh, is a really great catering client of mine. I've brought on the Long Center, and so we provide all of their uh, cookies for the ballet, the orchestra, the opera, and then traveling stage shows, and uh, even um, lectures uh, like... Uh, Nigella Lawson, you know, we provided cookies for her event and, and things, um, as well as Jewboy Burgers and Subs. They've been long, uh, longtime clients of mine. And now I'm in all five of their locations, oh, wow. uh, providing cookies and, and desserts and bars and things for them. Um, but after about a year and a half of searching, you know, we finally came upon, or my husband actually came upon our shop or would-be shop in, in Bastrop. And he didn't share with me to begin with because it was so far out of our, our neighborhood, our yeah. client base. It's also kind of, it's close to Austin, but it's not Austin. So you don't know how right. a, a queer couple are, is going to be accepted in a small type 
you know, tight knit community. And who knew anything about Bastrop except for there's a Bucky's on the highway, <laughs> you know? Um, but uh, he kind of sat on it. And then uh, I think it was the next day I found the prop- same property online and I shared it with him. And it was like, no way, you know? <laughs> um, and it happened to be December whenever we found it. And so we were like, well, let's just let's just go and see it. It's it's cute. Yeah. It's, it's cute. It's got some it's got some charm. And I don't know the last time if y'all have been to Bastrop, uh, but kind of the main way to get into downtown is you have to cross the Colorado River. Okay. And to one side of it, there's a hundred year old iron bridge that the city's very very proud of but it kind of opens up into all of these historic buildings downtown and it happened to be decorated for uh the holidays oh cute and it's like you're entering this uh hallmark movie Mm. it's very (laughs) picturesque it's it's extremely clean uh it's pedestrian friendly all of the shops are really well done and we're like this could work, you know, and we kind of visited and we met people and we ended up feeling comfortable and I'm like, okay, this is going to be our spot. And so the realtor I was working with, I said, you know, I want to be very aggressive. This is the spot that I need to be in. And, uh, apparently we beat out multiple other, uh, folks for the lease. Uh, but we signed the lease in January of this year. And we opened our doors to the public uh, April 28th. Nice. And here we are. Wow. I didn't realize that that was all so recently. That's cool. Yeah, we've come a long way in just a few years, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, no, you really have. I mean, your your whole brand seems like extremely well established, you know, just from outside looking at it and not knowing too much of the backstory. Um, So, yeah, kudos. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, most recently, we've brought on Taco Deli as our latest okay. kind of large client. Um, you know, Taco Deli, they started in Austin, but they have uh, locations in Houston, Dallas, and Plano. Uh, right. 12 of them, and then also uh, a location in the airport in Austin. Um, but it's a, it's a third-party situation. Kind of yeah. almost like a franchise. Yeah. Um, but in uh, in August, we uh, went live with them, and now all of the locations carry our blondies. Uh, and a matter of fact, we've got 12 cases going to them tomorrow morning. So uh, it's that's been a great experience. Taco Deli has my favorite breakfast tacos in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which, which, which location do you go to? The one that's closest to uh, my apartment is off Mopac, like kind of a little bit north of the domain. It's like a okay. shopping center. I think there's like a yoga place in there. Yep. Um, but if I have a morning flight, I always go to the Taco Deli in the airport. Like, I love it. Yeah, they're very interested in bringing our our blondies on but also because they own basically you know multiple aspects of that entire um taco deli area in the airport Mm -hmm. um they're interested in bringing us on for 
you know, uh, breakfast pastries and other sweets as well, as well as blondie. Yeah. So that's, that could be huge for us. We could be international. That little kiosk is always packed. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's a quality product. Mm-hmm. It really is. That's so cool. I love that. Well, congrats. I mean, what a journey. That That's very cool. Thank you for sharing so much. Yeah. Um, so part of your journey, which I'm excited to hear about, is you were on Food Network for a Halloween baking championship. <laughs> and I'm just always like, I enjoy those. Like, I, I don't watch baking shows too much. But every now and then, like, I'll get invested and watch a few different, you know, rounds of episodes. And I would just love to hear, like, you know, how did you get on it? Like, what was the process? Was it all in one day? Did you win? Because I didn't want to spoil it and see if you won or not. So I like research. Well, I have to be careful about, you know, what type of information I disclose. You know, you have to sign certain things. Um, But they they reached out to me on my uh, personal Instagram, actually. Uh, A lot of the work they saw was whenever I was the pastry chef at East Carolina. Okay. And, you know, there's a couple of rounds of, you know, we need to see pictures uh, in these categories. And then, you know, we're going to have verbal uh, or Zoom interviews and things like that. And they're looking, you know, it's reality TV. And I think I can say this because I think that it's kind of common knowledge. It's reality TV, but they need to tell their narrative. Yeah. And they need to have diversity and they have to have right. inclusion. Right. Um, and I don't think that it's any secret that I was the, the queer Southern boy. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I was the happy gay you know, on, on that season. Yeah. And, Pull um, the gay card when you can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But I do have to say, you know, uh, whenever you're filming, you don't just have a camera on you. You have multiple cameras on you. And whenever you have to run for ingredients, you have a camera that runs with you. And so, you know, you, you can't even fart because they'll see it, you know, (laughs) (laughs) there's, there's, there's no hiding anything in that arena. Um, But as far as the cast goes, you know, we started out with 10 uh, total competitors at the end of the show there were 12 i think if you were to watch it in episode two uh you'll realize uh what i'm 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 about to say it'll, it'll make sense to you by episode two we kind of knew the story that they wanted to tell for the rest of the show at that point we just kind of had a good time with it and we, the original 10 of us, we're still on a text thread that stays active almost daily several years later. That's cool. Yeah. Um, we share recipes. We share uh, triumphs and anger and crappy customer experiences. And um, we share in each other's lives, too. You know, Nicole, that was on the episode, she just got engaged um Guillermo uh we've met in New Orleans because he's in Jackson Mississippi like he brought his wife and we were there for a birthday so we spent the day together he's been here to Austin and we've baked together um Adina's out in LA we spent time with her on our way out on vacation 
I'm very lucky to have had that experience and to be so submerged with them uh, to grow the bonds that we have because we filmed it during peak COVID. Okay. And so, you know, we, we had to be escorted to the bathroom. Otherwise we were in our seats in the green room, six feet apart. We were isolated in our extended stay hotel Mm -hmm in knoxville tennessee of all places um which i was thrilled because knoxville you know it's it's on the backside of the smokies and so i i was a kid i was a i was a bear in the woods (laughs) it's weird because even years later we were we were in disney we were at hollywood studios in the star wars land and a man came up to me he was like were you on tv that's cool. Like, it it is, but it's also you know it kind of makes you think because I was on this one show years ago. Mm-hmm. Think about the 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 stress and the pressure that real celebrities right. and and uh, personalities you know what they have to deal with on right. on a daily basis. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, and now that it's back on air and it's streaming, you know, now I'm having customers here in Bastrop. They're like. We saw you. Are you going to be able, you know, are you making this? Are you making this? We want to try this. We were so proud of you. We were like, oh, that's our baker. And then you have those who are like, you were robbed. <laughs> oh gosh, I want to watch it now. Was it like different types of stuff? Like, I assume it was cakes, but like, was it also candy? Like, what kind of stuff was it? So you had, you had, each episode had two different challenges and it seemed to be in our season, the majority of the challenges were cakes, but it was okay. different styles of cakes, different heights, different diameters, different themes. You can only do cake so many times in so many ways and keep it original and keep it fun and interesting. You know, uh, there was one where we had to make donuts. There was one where um, we had to make our own marzipan. Um, uh, we had to, one of the challenges I had to incorporate a candy or excuse me, a caramel apple into a cake, you know, so they're their own challenges, but whenever you have say eight competitors that their cakes have to be a minimum of 10 inches high and at least eight inches round, what's the first thing you go for? You go for your cake pans. Mm. And you think each cake layer is average of two inches. So each competitor needs five cake pans Mm -hmm. at at least eight inches round. You know, so uh, you're looking at at least 40 cake pans. Well, there was like 26. (laughs) So now you have to, you're like, oh, crap. If I make the cakes larger, that means I need more batter. That means more time, you know, and so you're like, okay, so I do I bake sheet sheet cakes and then cut them out? You know, is that going to give me the strength that I need? Because, you know, it's not cake, you know, or not baked, you know, in the perfect round shape, you know, so it has its own its own challenges. But then also uh, a lot of the things that you see aren't necessarily useful for your events. Sure. So you have like, we had to make a Battenberg cake in one challenge and a a traditional Battenberg is a rectangular checkerboard cake. 
mm-hmm. that's typically eight inches long. Well, they wanted it 12 inches long. Okay. You know, so that means you're having to piece things together, you know, and my secret ingredient was um, licorice root. Mm. Who likes licorice root? Nobody likes licorice <laughs> root. You know, so I I started to think about the things that remind me of licorice and things like uh, star anise came up. Uh, thai basil came in. Okay, what's good with Thai basil? That could be fun. Okay, peaches. So I made a peach and Thai basil jam, and that's what I glued my cake together with, you know, along with the licorice root. Okay, well, now I have a cake featuring licorice root. That's, that's, you kind of piece it together, and you have a short amount of time and limited limited ability to get your thoughts together before you really do have to to jump in and, and start knocking out the competition. So it was, I was there for 10 days. It wasn't just okay. filmed in one day. I made it uh, through seven rounds. Damn. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. I never, I never went with the idea that I would win because yeah. I am self-taught. And I do have limited time as a baker. I knew that going into this competition, I would be I would be up against classically trained and well-seasoned bakers. But what I wanted to do was A, have the experience. Yeah. You know, and then B, I wanted to get my business name out yeah. there as much as as possible uh, from a marketing standpoint. And you know, in some capacity, it has worked. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. I love that. If you have any yoga competitions, let me know. <laughs> well, we've got a, we've got a big old, uh, big old back patio. That's, that's perfect for yoga. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be so much fun. I saw that. I texted you about that. Uh, yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. Yeah. That would be fun to do yoga back there because it, I saw that you had like refinished it and had patio lighting out there and everything. It looks so cute. Yeah. We got it. We got it just perfect. And uh, now that it's less than a hundred degrees, it's raining. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that timing? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I mean, you know, the weather has a mind of its own, but um, yeah. I feel like one day whenever I did, because I've done a number of goat yoga events, I don't have the goats. I have I have a goat supplier. Um, but, <laughs> that goat supplier. Yeah, but we have um, we have had rain issues at a couple of those events, and I have like one of those huge like pop up tents. You know, um, I forget what they're called, but like a parade tent. You know. So I just bring that anywhere I go. One for shade and one for you know extreme weather. So yeah, I'm always come prepared. So yeah. Well, we also, you know, our our dining room is very open concept. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. You know, and so and I'm pretty sure our, our building was built in 1895 wow. in Texas. Cool. And so I'm pretty sure this wouldn't be the first time goats have been in that building. Sure. <laughs> <I'm just saying. laughs> That's hilarious. So you you kind of mentioned at the top, like, you know moving into Bastrop, you know, as a gay couple, like there was a little bit of hesitancy there. And I was kind of curious about that. Like if y'all have encountered any issues, how, how is the community there? I mean, it sounds like 
y'all are thriving and and doing well and have been well accepted. You know, for the most part, it has been very positive. Yeah. You know, and and it doesn't matter where you're at or where you go, you're going to have individuals that have certain thoughts and ideas and you have to just allow them to be entitled to their thoughts and and opinion. For the most part, you know, we've had a very positive experience. Um, I did get a random phone call that asked if my business was a Christian organization because this individual likes to align where he spends money with his thoughts and beliefs, you know? So I'm like, so you don't get out much, you know, that's kind of where my, my first thought went. And then we do have a cookie. It's called the fairly gay cookie. Um, I came up with it whenever mayor Pete was appointed to the cabinet. Because that's, oh, that's a big deal. He's the first openly yeah. gay man to be appointed to a cabinet. Yeah. And it's rainbow sprinkles and white chocolate. And it's become one of our best-selling cookies. And it's it's a lot of fun to play with because, you know, these very bro, straight guys, you're like, hey, uh, let me get the sprinkle cookie. I'm like, <laughs> which one? <laughs> gay cookie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you do have some people that come in and you're you're explaining your menu and everything. And then all of a sudden, they're like, what did you call that cookie? Yeah. Like, oh, that's our fairly gay cookie. It's rainbow sprinkles. Oh, I don't like that. And they'll like about face and walk out. Wow. I'm like, okay, well, you're missing out on a darn good cookie. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's... It's that it's the cookie that evolves. Like right now, it's wearing its Halloween costume. Yeah, it's a yeah. fairly spooky cookie because okay. it's got black and orange sprinkles in it. You know, um, our pride is it's young, but it's thriving. Uh, it lasts over three days now. Um, there's a street event. There's a parade. There's a market down in the park. And again, it's it's facing the same adversity as any other pride event. But overall, the city is very uh, friendly. And I think what's more important is that it's just nonpartisan. It's just yeah. very it keeps its opinion to itself and it allows people to to exist you know, which I think is more important uh, than promoting one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, but just last night, there was, um, we had an impromptu game night at the, <laughs> you know, at the bakery. We, unfortunately, we lost one of our fur babies yesterday. Mm. And it was That's very... Fun. It was very uh, sudden and unexpected, uh, but our little gaggle out here, yeah. they're like, Man, let's let's be together. And so um, mm. we sat at our, our big farm table at the bakery and we played uh, Bastropoli, of all things. <laughs> and it's, and it's, a, it's actually a very well done set. Uh-huh. Like, it, it was just a lot of fun. And so the, the community is great. It really is, you know, it's come a long way and it's got even further to go, but I think it's on a great trajectory. That's really good to hear. I'm glad to hear it. Um, Cause that's, you know, 
it's sad that it has to be a concern, but it's always a concern, right? You know, it uh, is. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that, you know, bakeries, I mean, that's kind of where a lot of the legislation started was in a bakery for the gay wedding cake, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that's kind of sensitive to people that are bigots, right? You know? Yeah. 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 I mean, and you can, you can kind of tell which businesses are, are friendlier than others. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and that's fine because their cake is dry and that's <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, there's actually, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, um, I was, I was going to say, uh, there's actually a very vibrant, um, trans and non-binary community out here. Okay. Um, oh which is is great and uh i'd like to think that we're becoming a place where people can just come yeah, and yeah. not worry about it mm-hmm. that's yeah beautiful. that's really important yeah but um aside from the seemingly gay cookie or the seemingly spooky cookie um can you tell us like what else is on the menu Sure. Um, so I, as far as the savory food uh, is concerned, we serve breakfast and lunch primarily. And a lot of the things call back to the food that I grew up with in the South, in Eastern North Carolina. And so I like to think of our food as Southern comfort food. But here I have to qualify it as from Eastern North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Because if you say Southern comfort food here, people are going to think kolaches and breakfast tacos oh, and chicken okay. fried steak and donuts, because that's all we got as we were working on the shop. We invited people in, and of course, they wanted to know what type of food we would serve. And we would say, oh, Southern comfort food. And they would say, oh, so you're going to have breakfast tacos and kolaches. No, no, we're not. Going to that is so funny. Like, I, I, yeah. I feel like we're probably not going to have any listeners after I say this, but like, I just do not think of Texas as the South. Am I so, wrong? <laughs> I, I, you're, I don't think that you're wrong in that idea because growing up in the South, you know, I'm not from the deep South, right? Um, but I am from technically the south i think texas is just texas it has such an influence from the gulf the uh, prairie lands oklahoma and all of that the southwest and then also mexico um i think that texas has such a it's a melting pot that's kind of melted in on itself and has become its own kind of uh, amalgamation of culture. Um, mm-hmm. And so whenever people ask, you know, I always say Texas is Texas. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is the Lone Star State. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I grew up in Louisiana. Um, yeah. Derek and I met in Louisiana. So it's like right. when I think of the South, I do think of the Carolinas, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, like, the only time I refer to Texas as the South is literally just in direction because I grew up in the Midwest. So okay. I'm, I'll say, you know, oh, I've lived in the South. 
for, you know, 20 years. And really that's only if I'm speaking about the weather. Right. <laughs> so it's right. like, I just, I'm, I'm glad, um, I'm not totally wrong. Cause yeah, the food, um, that, but that's so funny. The kolaches, like, I wouldn't even think of that as being like a comfort food. Like I know it, it is very delicious. I love them, but that's so funny. Yeah. And I mean, and if you think of, you know, the, the, the states that you just named, the Carolinas, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, or not Arkansas. It, I guess it is technically. Don't forget about but, Louisiana. In Louisiana, yes. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, pork and corn are huge staples there. Mm-hmm. And there's that's not so much the way it is here, except for whenever you look for corn um, in Hispanic food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way that it's used there. Um, one of the things that we were really missing here were really good grits. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever I had grits for the first time here in Bastrop, there wasn't a fleck of pepper in them. They were clumpy. They were dry. And they, they weren't satisfying. I grew up on them. And a couple of weeks ago, we got a five-star review for our, our Southern style cream grits. Yeah. You know, you know, you, you can take this very simple thing and turn yeah. it into something much bigger than itself. So that's, that's where our recipes are and, and our thoughts lie. Our breakfast is primarily handhelds. Uh, we're known for our biscuits and gravy. Uh, as I said, my dad grew up in Western North Carolina primarily. Uh, and every morning, uh, he would have to get up and churn two churns of butter. And wow. that was before breakfast because you had to have the buttermilk for either the cornbread or the biscuits. And then you had to have the butter to put on it. And so our grizzly, which is our bacon, egg and cheese biscuit, I mean, I think it's one of the best breakfast sandwiches in in the state, honestly. It's just so satisfying. <laughs> it's so simple. You know, living in Austin, you're you have available all of this food, but why does your bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit have aiolis and uh preserved vegetables and why is it $18? Right. <laughs> well, after looking into corporate uh, leases, I understand why it's $18, but I yeah. still don't understand yeah. why my bacon, egg and cheese biscuit has 42 garnishes and sauces. Yeah. You know, yeah. just let it, let the, the, the simple things sing and, and be themselves. Um, yeah. And then our, our lunch um, and you, again, is primarily sandwiches. We want a fast, casual dining experience. Um, our number one selling lunch sandwich right now is my dad's chicken salad recipe. Mm, yum. Yeah. yeah. And my parents were out for the first time in several years since uh, before COVID. Um, and we put up seven gallons of pickles. And so right now I can make our chicken salad the way that he makes it. Nice. Um, which makes it super special. Um, and it's so simple, but, you know, uh, Sunday, a lady bought four pounds of it for an event that she was hosting. Nice. Mm-hmm. You know, and whenever you're selling it for $12 a pound. Yeah. I mean, that says something. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, an investment on her part. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, uh, but you know, everybody at that party was like, girl, where did you get this chicken? Yeah, this chicken salad. I fucking love chicken <laughs> salad. <laughs> okay. So tell me, do you like chicken salad with fruit and nuts or without fruit and nuts? Without. Yeah, no fruit and nuts. That is one of the things. Either people come in and they are diehard against grapes and apples and cranberries in it, or that's all they want because that's fancy. (laughs) (laughs) Is yours with or without? It is without. It is. I was going to say, I would not assume yours had it. No, it's it's our homemade pickles, um, celery, hard-boiled egg, and then Duke's mayonnaise. Perfect. So no dairy. Then, I'm sorry. No dairy. No dairy except for the mayonnaise. I That's mean, fine. it's not. It's not eggs dairy. Yeah. Yeah. Eggs. Eggs is there. Um, yeah. But there's no sour dairy cream. Allergy. There's no yogurt. Um, and then our uh, secret blend of spices and and things Ooh. in it. Yeah. Um, but you know, you have a dairy allergy. I do. Yeah. We have, you know, um, obviously because a lot of our sandwiches come on Texas toast or they come on croissants, you know, Mm. we're always able to, uh, dry toast your bread and then you can have, you can have the chicken salad. You can have our, uh, Bubba's BLT, which is our chicken fried bacon BLT. Uh, you can have our classic BLT. BLT. Yeah. So that's like bacon fried in chicken fat. Is that how that works? No, it's so you have chicken fried steak or chicken fried chicken. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just replace the protein with bacon. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's dredged in egg and then our seasoning blend and then it's flash fried. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, our our sides, you know, um, our best selling side, uh, they're called Pearl's Taters. Uh, <laughs> Pearl was my maternal grandma. OK. And we never had like Orida French fries or waffle fries or tater tots. She would go out and she would dig taters. She'd boil them and then she'd fry them. And that's what we had. Wow. Oh, I bet they were so good. They're amazing, and every week we're hand cutting hundreds of pounds of potatoes, boiling them, cooling them down, and then we're frying them, which is a classical technique. Yeah, that my grandma did, and she didn't even know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? um, and it's served with a homemade maple bourbon ketchup. Yum. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. Holly, we'll have to take a road trip. I know. I'm like, okay, how far away is it? Like, we yeah. need to go. So we can have, like, breakfast, take a break, lunch, then we'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have all of our baked goods as well. Um, we're known for yeah. our quarter-pound cookies. We have um, all of our bars that are super popular. And then whenever uh, we have the population coming in, I try to have old-fashioned layer cakes and pies and tray bakes and things like that in the cooler for people to enjoy. Very cool. Yeah. On the topic of food, I saw that y'all, I think y'all have brunch on weekends, right? So our brunch service right now is from 10 until 3. Okay. We hope to start opening earlier on the weekends. Bastrop, the Bastrop community is wonderful, but I don't necessarily think that they understand the concept of brunch. 
Okay. Yeah. Because people are still out at eight o'clock in the morning walking yeah. the street oh. wanting breakfast. You know, and so I think that it would be important for us to kind of meet them, you know, for their needs earlier. Um, but for brunch for us is the entire menu is available. Okay. It's served all day. You can order anything off the brunch or lunch menu or the breakfast menu. And we're also BYOB as well. Uh, and so you're very welcome to bring in your mimosas or your you know, your ciders or, or whatever. Um, if you need a handle of Jack to get through your biscuits and gravy, <laughs> we don't judge, <laughs> but you know, you do you, babe. That was one of our questions was, do y'all serve mimosas? And if not, can people bring their own? So you answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But another yeah. great thing about downtown Bastrop is that it's a social district. And yeah. so you can, you can buy a beverage from any place that sells beverages and take it out on the street and okay. have a container as long as it is as it's not in a glass container and you can take it to any establishment that doesn't serve alcohol itself and awesome. so we're sandwiched between anita's which is an amazing mexican restaurant with great micheladas and margaritas and they have a full bar and then on the other side of us is the bastrop beer company which features Bays and bays and bays of Texas brewed beer, hard ciders, kombuchas, uh, sakis as well. And you can uh, take all of that stuff and bring it right over here. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. There's um, a Mexican place in Austin that's BYOB. And I had never seen that before um, until I ate there. And I was like, everyone like brought in coolers. And I was like, that is so cool. Like, Obviously, it's cool to try stuff at a restaurant, but I think it's kind of fun. You know, and it also, you know, coming from a, coming from the family that I did, not necessarily speaking to the alcohol cost, but, you know, we were a family of five. And mm -hmm. so our fancy, fancy, fancy meal was going to the Western Sizzler. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And so whenever I developed our menu... I wanted food that my dad, who's rather blue collar, he yeah. would know what it was. He would feel comfortable eating it in the establishment that he was in. And he would feel that he had a value. Yeah. And so our breakfast combos are 10 bucks. Our lunch combos, the most expensive is uh, 14, you know, and like it comes with homemade sauces, fresh salads, not a lot of, of uh, convenience products in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my dad's the same way. So I need to talk him about coming to visit soon. He would love it. He would be so excited. Yeah. I, I boast that we have the best biscuits and gravy in Texas. And, you know, these these old roosters will come in. I don't know. I make pretty good biscuits and gravy, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, dude, I'm sure that you do give mine an opportunity. And a lot of times I'll at least get a compliment, which there I'll take as win. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because, okay. You, I think I saw on your website, you call biscuits cat heads, right? Yes. Yeah, so cat head biscuits are so my dad taught me how to make biscuits where he rolls out his biscuits and he cuts them. But my mm -hmm. father-in-law does drop style biscuits. Okay. So I fuse the two styles together and that's, 
commonly known as a cat head biscuit, which is a drop free form biscuit because it's as big as a cat's head, mm-hmm. you know, um, which I thought was a pretty common thing kind of, but it's not. Yeah. People are very weary of what's a cat head biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, because my, uh, paternal grandparents um, live. They lived in Tennessee. My grandma still lives there, but they had a farm, and so they had like my dad, and he had four brothers, and so spending the holidays with all of them, they have all these inside jokes, whatever. And I don't know where they went. I think it was somewhere in North Carolina. The the all the uncles went on like a road trip. And they went to a place that had cat head biscuits. And that became a joke forever. Whenever we go to Cracker Barrel, anywhere, they'd be like, I'm going to get me some cat head biscuits. And like, that was just a joke. And so when I saw it on your website, I was like, oh my God, I haven't, I haven't heard that since then. And yeah, you definitely don't. I feel like even biscuits and gravy, like in Texas, I had a bunch of friends coming for the Austin Film Festival last year. And they were like, where can we get biscuits and gravy? And I was like, that's what you want? (laughs) coming coming to austin and they're like isn't this the south you know they live in california oh yeah so and yeah i was like (laughs) we can find biscuits and gravy but like i don't know if it's like that's not what i would pick to eat in austin but yeah (laughs) i would i would say if we've gone to to a lot of places and if biscuits and gravy are on the menu i do order it yeah. And 90% of the time, it's a packet gravy mix with crumbled sausage on top. Mm. And it's it's a convenience, you know, a freezer to oven baked biscuit or, you know, and I've had really good biscuits with not so great gravy, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I tried to fuse the two together um, to and we do a bacon sausage gravy and it's very savory and it's very filling but uh back to the cat head biscuit we do this combination called a cat head and spread uh where you get a huge biscuit and it comes with a homemade spread which right now it's homemade uh five spice apple butter and then uh, we uh, partnered uh, with Lofty Pines Farms out of Smithville and got some of their raw honey. And so we we're doing a whipped honey butter. And so you can kind of build your own adventure there uh, with that. And then um, our hungry man breakfast, we'll say, is the Mama Lean's biscuit platter. And Mama Lean, um, everything's named after a person, place or thing important or special to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mama Lean was kind of a surrogate grandmother to me that I grew up with. And you get two big biscuits, apple butter, whipped honey butter, a side of gravy, scrambled eggs, bacon, and fresh sliced tomato. Wow. It comes on two, <laughs> it comes in two baskets. Yum. That's amazing. Yeah. If you leave our place hungry, it's literally your own fault. Right. <laughs> I love keeping the the family names in it. My parents have yeah, a and they have like um the Betty Jean burger, which is my stepdad's mother, and like Mama Magliola spaghetti, which was like my mom's 
grandmother's original recipe, stuff like that. Like, I just love stuff like that. That's so cool. Yeah, we're we're trying to build what we're calling a taste of home and a taste of Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to ever make anybody believe that I'm saying North Carolina is better than anywhere else. Right. You know, I'm just trying to share my experiences and fuse it with what we have here in Texas, like the Lofty Pines uh, raw honey. There's a wonderful small business here in Bastrop called Tonic Mercantile. And he makes all of our custom uh, beard oils, salves, uh, bar soaps. He's doing reed infusers for us, uh, poured candles, mustache wax, beard balms, um, shaving pots. And all of his stuff is paraffin-free. All of his colors are naturally derivative. His fragrances are natural, you know. But what's great about it is he's asking me, well, what color do you want this to be? How can we represent this? And what do you want it to be called? And so if you look at our section, you'll find Black Mountain and Solly and Laurel Springs. Mm. And these are all places that I grew up with yeah. that that just lead into the story. If you ever go to Blowing Rock, North Carolina, it's in the mountains and it just overlooks this valley in the Blue Ridge you know, mountain range, you know, and I get to tell a little bit of that story through a Texas product that I'm yeah. proud to to have and sell. Yeah. That's very cool. I love that. I think it's so cool when places can give us like a taste of something yeah. else because we can't always go everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I feel like COVID definitely taught us that. And like now with things, you know, inflation in the way they are, like, I think it's so cool when you could go and get maybe like authentic food from another country or another state. Like um, I know there's a few authentic Louisiana restaurants in Austin and I'm always like, Ooh, I'm going to go and get the gumbo when I get like a craving for it or whatever. So that's for sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, um, um, I have a beardless baker named Michelle, and <laughs> she does amazing New York New York style bagels. I'm oh, so nice. fortunate to have nice. her on our team, and it's and it is literally one of her passions to make these bagels, you know, mm-hmm. for people to enjoy. Uh, but she also does any of our enriched breads, so our our cinnamon rolls, our sticky buns. Pro tip. This Saturday, we're having apple pie cinnamon rolls with vanilla streusel and maple cream cheese glaze. I'm just saying. Be fine. (laughs) You know, I know you're allergic to dairy. It'll be worth it. (laughs) We have a defibrillator. You'll be fine. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh that sounds so good yeah it's good. become one of the things at 10 o'clock we'll have you know sometimes 30 people waiting on main street and yes. i'll guarantee they want our cinnamon rolls they're called bubba's big boy cinnamon rolls yeah and they're bigger than a six by six clamshell that's amazing that's so yeah cool. and we do pecan uh pecan sticky buns as well uh, but in lieu of the pecan sticky buns, and th- they are pecan sticky buns, you know, not pecan, pecan. Yeah, 
peacock. I say peacock. Oh. We can debate that later. <laughs> well, I'm the professional here, so. Sure. <laughs> that is so funny. I always forget that uh, people yeah. say peacock. Peacock. Yeah. Pecan. Pecan. I want to say it. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. I, like, I like pecan. Yeah. It's <laughs> more authentic because it's the right way. <laughs> well, on that note, we have kept you long enough. <laughs> you say pecan, so we're done here. But <laughs> well, we do appreciate your time. Is there anything that we haven't asked you that you wanted to talk about? Um, no, I, I, I think that I've, I've rambled on enough. Y'all have been such gracious hosts. I really have enjoyed my time with y'all. You know, we, we do sell, we ship cookies across country. So anybody, um, interested in trying some of our products, uh, coming up, especially during the holidays, we'll have Mm -hmm. our holiday beardy boxes, which is a great, uh, holiday variety of cookies, they're quarter pound cookies, so it is uh, a commitment um, and a little bit of an investment, but a little goes a long way um, whenever you're enjoying them. We'll have those uh, up on the website soon for people to to order. Um, and then, again, you, if you can't get to Bastrop, uh, you can try our products all over Austin, Houston, Dallas, and Plano, yeah. which is really exciting. And then... In Bastrop, our door is is always open. Uh, I'm the son of two other entrepreneurs, so we don't know strangers. You so go. you're always welcome. I love that. My stepdad's going to be obsessed with them cookies. I'm definitely going to get some for I Christmas. I know. So if people are thinking of buying, you said they would be on the website soon. What would you say for like, if people are going to buy for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever, what should they allow for like a shipping time? I try not to ship over the weekend because I know things don't travel over Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep that in mind. I try to ship out between two and three days after you order. And especially if it's going to be for uh, a Thanksgiving event or a you know Christmas event or, or Hanukkah, I keep that in mind as well. Um, because our our cookies are thick, and that's with two C's. Um, they they stay a little bit fresher longer, uh, and so it doesn't hurt to order just a touch early, and then pop them in the oven, and they're like brand new. Um, so that's always an option as well. And then, um, what's your website and your Instagram? Uh, so our website it's the longest website in the world. It's uh, <laughs> thebeardedbakingcompany.com and our uh, Instagram and Facebook are the same thebeardedbakingcompany.com and then on X or whatever it is today it's uh, (laughs) at uh, at baking bearded in Austin okay okay so yeah, so if uh, Instagram and Facebook are are the best ways, I post yeah. two to three times a day, either in stories or sharing posts online, keeping up with what's new, what's fresh, where we're going to be, you know, all of that stuff as well. Uh, well, it was fun. It was it was so great hearing your story and hearing about all the cool things you're doing. And Holly and I will definitely make a road trip out there 
soon. Sounds like we should we should go for Christmas time since it's all decorated. He we says. should. That would be so cute. Yeah. And just so you know, and and I promote this business all the time, since you do have a dairy allergy, uh, Tough Cookie Bakery is gluten-free as well as vegan. And so they have a lot of great uh, products that you can enjoy freely. So uh, you can go over and and get what you need. And then Holly, you can get the good stuff from us and then eat it in front of (laughs) you. Describe it in in rich detail. (laughs) Just just kidding. Just kidding. Of course. And booze and desserts and then just come and enjoy BLT. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's perfect. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you, Wes. It it was was a pleasure. I appreciate it. It was all mine. Thank you so much. Uh, (laughs) Have a good night. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Holly, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at OrangeJulia7, also on TheBitterLemon.com and on Etsy, Bitter Lemon Digital. And Derek, where can people find you? So I am on Instagram with my personal account at yoga with Derek, and that's D-E-R-E-K, spelled the correct way. And on Instagram for yoga for all humans, it is at yoga for all humans on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, Don't judge my TikTok game. I'm still learning. On LinkedIn, you can sync up with me, Derek Hagler, on there. And Yoga for All Humans has its own LinkedIn account as well. And of course, yogaforallhumans.com is the studio's website. Small Business Happy Hour has its own Instagram account at Small Business Happy Hour. Or you can email us at smallbusinesshappyhour at gmail.com. Cheers. Cheers. See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.